Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. All right, hey, good morning. Man, it's so great to be back. It seems like forever since I've been here, but I really mean it when I say this is one of my favorite places in the world to come. And some people are like, oh yeah, yeah, it's the mountains, it's the river, it's all the wildlife. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of part of it. I mean, I send pictures home to my family and friends and say, you can't believe how beautiful it is here. And uh, others might say, well, it's probably Pastor Mike and the South Side staff. And I mean, they're amazing, aren't they? I mean, Mike is one of my best friends. He's an amazing communicator. I learn every time I listen to him teach. And uh, the Southside staff and team here, they're growing and they're amazing leaders and I'm so uh, excited for them. But that's not just the reason why I love coming to Southside. I learned 10 years ago that when I come to Southside, I encounter people who really love God. And they love God so much that they wanna share that love with other people and so they just accept people for who they are. It doesn't matter matter what you've done or where you've been in life. If you show up around a Southsider, they're just gonna love you and hope that you'll hear the same messages that they're hearing from God. And that's an amazing, remarkable thing to be part of. It's a collective group of people that name themselves Southside. That's my favorite reason to be here. And I hope you guys are enjoying that to being part of Southside. Um, if you're joining us for the first time or if you're returning, we wanna welcome you. If you're online or in the room, we wanna say welcome. You could have picked a better day to be here, a better time to be here, and especially if you're sitting on the front row. If you're on the front row, there's something different and special about you. He's already nodding. He knows that there's something different and special about front row um, people. And so if you're sitting in the rest of the church, you're different too, but you're not the same as the front row people. So there's this lady, she came to church one time and uh, she was on her way to the auditorium and a greeter met her and said, hey, um, can I help you? And she was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to the service. I wanna find a seat. And he goes, let me help you find a seat. And she's like, okay, I'd like to sit on the front row. And the guy said, oh no, ma'am, you, you don't wanna sit on the front row. Our pastor, he goes a little bit long every once in a while and you might fall asleep. And you don't wanna fall asleep on the front row. It's a bad place to fall asleep on the front row. And uh, the lady looked at him for a minute and goes, mister, do you know who I am? And he goes, no, ma'am, I don't know who you are. And he, she goes, I'm the pastor's wife. Or yeah, or mother, I'm sorry, mother. And he goes, you're the pastor's mother? And he goes, well, ma'am, do you know who I am? And she goes, no, sir, I don't know who you are. And he's like, whoo, good, and he left. <laughs> so nobody wants, to, nobody wants their pastor to know that he might go long and you might fall asleep. But front row people are like family. So you're like my mom in some ways, and we're gonna get through this message together. And if you're sitting in the rest of the church somewhere or watching online, I promise I won't go long, and hopefully I won't put you to sleep, all right? Um, it's been a bit since I've been here. September, I think, was the last time I was here. And right then I was telling you a story about my son, Gabe. I think he had just got engaged. So I wanted to give you an update on it. This uh, picture here happened in November. And uh, this beautiful lady in the middle, her name is now Kelsey Franco, and she actually went through with marrying my son. We're so excited about that. And uh, she's an amazing person. Let me just tell you about her for a minute. She runs a ministry in Atlanta, Georgia, that rescues women out of sex trafficking. 
They just hit 800 women that they've rescued out of sex trafficking, and they bring them in, and they show them who their identity is in Christ, that they're meant for way more than just their bodies. And uh, she, she actually re-identifies them, gives them a new purpose in life, and sends them back out into the world equipped and ready to pursue everything that God's put in front of them in life. And so she's amazing. We love her. We're excited to, to get to know her more as our family grows. And the rest of the gang in there is doing just fine. My granddaughters, three of them, uh, are doing amazing, and my daughter and son-in-law, and then my wife, Tara. So if, uh, if, the re- if you guys follow me on social media at all, and I know some of you do, you might have seen this picture last week of my wife, Tara, and I. And uh, Tara and I are in an open-door helicopter flying over the island of Kauai in this picture. Isn't that awesome? Has anybody ever been to uh, Kauai? If you raise your hand, yeah, there's some few hands going up all over the place. The helicopter ride is the most amazing thing because you see parts of the island that no one will ever see. Like Jurassic Park's been filmed there, Jungle Cruise has been filmed there, but the only way you're gonna see some of the waterfalls and some of the beautiful sights of Kauai are going in an open-door helicopter, which was a phenomenal experience. But how we got there was really interesting as well. Um, My wife for Christmas surprised me finally. Now, guys, I don't know if there's any guys in the room that are like this, but it's been my job since we've been married 30 plus years to every Christmas figure out what my present is before she gives it to me on Christmas day. Are there any guys that do this to their wives around here? I see some wives nudging their husbands right now in the room. And so I'm pretty good at it. Like I, I measure the box, I shake it, and I usually guess it almost all the time. Well, this year there was no present underneath the tree. And uh, she hands me an envelope and in the envelope's a clue and that clue leads me to another clue and that clue leads me to another clue. And eventually she said, what do you think your present is for Christmas? And I said, I think it's a vacation. And she goes, okay. And she goes, where do you think we're going? And I said, an island somewhere, maybe Hawaii. And she was like, you're right. And see, the thing is, Hawaii's been a bucket list item for me. I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. My dad was stationed in the Air Force in Hawaii. He talked about the people and its beauty. And uh, that's all I ever heard growing up were stories about Hawaii, but I never had the opportunity to go with my dad before he passed. And so my wife said, let's do an adventure together. Let's go experience Hawaii and the island of Kauai uh, together. And so that's what we did. And, um, and the amazing thing about it is that it's quite a journey. It's quite an adventure just to get to Hawaii. And uh, from North Carolina, you, it's actually 13 hours on a plane, 20 hours total travel time, and you cross over four different time zones to get there. And so we had to have a plan. Like, I don't know if you guys are that way when you go on vacation, but there has to be some type of plan. And so we had an itinerary, all the things we're gonna do there, but we knew exactly when our flights were, what our gates were, and uh, how we were gonna get our way to uh, Hawaii. And so we took off on a plane and we're about three hours in and you're kind of like three hours in, you're like, ah, you know, it's like the plane's warmer than you want it to be. You're wearing a mask and there's people that aren't as happy to be on the plane as you are. They're not going on vacation. Maybe they're going on a business trip or something like that. And, uh, and so we're just to the spot where it didn't feel like an adventure. And then we landed in Denver, Colorado, perfect timing. We get off the plane, we have a two hour layover, we're gonna get some food, we're, my wife wants to take a walk and get her steps in for the day, and, uh, and I'm gonna get a little bit of work done so I don't have to work during vacation. And so she goes off on her way, I'm doing work at the gate, we meet back about an hour before our plane's gonna depart, and we're like, let's go get our food. 
And as we're leaving to get our food, the gate agent says, attention, everybody at gate such and such, if you're traveling to Hawaii, make sure that you have your wristband on. If you don't have a wristband, you'll have to go down to gate such and such, and you can get a wristband there. And so I looked at my wife and I'm like, what are you talking, what's a wristband? Like it's nowhere in our itinerary. When we booked our tickets, we had to put all these documents in for COVID travel, et cetera. And I said, I've got a green light, a green icon that says travel ready. I don't think we need anything else, but everybody was going to the gate to get a wristband. So we started down the way too, to get a wristband as well. And so as we get to the gate, we get there and there's a couple hundred other people standing there and they're not very happy. They're trying to figure out exactly why do I have to have a wristband? Where do I get a wristband? What's the process? And they weren't going on the intercom and telling people uh, how to get a wristband. They were just moving in groups of three and four people at a time and showing them something on their phone. And so we kept trying to nose our way into a group as fast as we could because now our plane, plane's departure is getting closer and closer. And so um, we figure out finally that we think what you have to do is scan this QR code and then you upload these documents and then you go on in line into a chat room with an airline agent. And once they approve everything, they give you a thumbs up on your boarding pass to go get a wristband. So frustrated and, and growing really more agitated by the moment, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I did most of this stuff already and I'm trying to get it all done online and you know, Wi-Fi is not great and all those things that happen when you're in a hurry. I finally like, I've got it in, I'm waiting in the chat room and then I hear our gate start boarding. And so I look at the guy next to me and I said, hey, uh, uh, how long have you been waiting here? Cause you've been here longer than I have. And he said, I've been in the chat room now for 47 minutes. And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I looked at my wife and I'm like, we have a connecting flight from Honolulu to Kauai. It's the last flight out. There's not a lot of time to catch it. And so now I'm trying to figure out what is it like, what happens if we don't have a wristband when we get to Hawaii? And so the lady said, well, you know, when you get there, you're gonna have to go in a lot longer line. It's a bigger drawn out process. It's gonna take, you know, a lot more effort to get through the line. And I'm like, great. So we board the plane for my bucket list dream vacation, frustrated and aggravated that we don't know what the process is. And when we get there, we may miss our flight. And then you begin to awfulize, like really make everything's awful now. It's horrible. Like this is the worst vacation ever. We're not gonna get to do anything fun. And uh, so on the plane, a flight attendant tells me, buy Wi-Fi, fill out your forms. When you get to Hawaii, you can go get a bracelet at a table and then check in. And I'm like, ah, save the day. That sounds semi-reasonable. And uh, so I did everything he said. And six hours later, we land in Hawaii and we're going off the jetway and they make an announcement that said, hey, if you have a wristband, stay to your left. If you don't have a wristband, stay to your right. And I'm like, got it. And so we come off the jetway at the gate and there are zero people, zero signs, no information at all. And everybody in front of us is turning left, whether they have a wristband or not. But when I get to the T where you have to make a turn, there's a green arrow pointing to my right. And I'm like, I don't have a wristband. The guy said, get a wristband. They said, no wristbands go to the right. And so we follow directions. And my wife and I start down the terminal and we're about halfway down this side of the terminal and there's nothing. I don't see any gate agents. I don't see any tables. There's nobody walking around with wristbands and we're pressed for time. And I'm like, Tara, we gotta make a decision. And I did what my mom told me never to do is follow the crowd. I said, we're turning around and we're following the rest of the crowd to see where they're going. 
And so we hightail it through the airport. It's about a mile journey all the way down to the end of the terminal where you check into the state of Hawaii. And uh, when we get about halfway there, there's a sign that says wristbands to the left, no wristbands to the right. And I'm like, well, now that finally makes sense. Like, why couldn't they be that clear when we're coming off the jetway? But when I get to the end of that lane, there's a lady standing there and she's like, you're gonna have to go through the long check-in process and check in with an agent. And so we're like, great, like we don't know how long it's gonna take and we're not gonna, you know, you begin to go back through all the things again that this is a horrible vacation when it's your dream vacation. And so we get to the lady, she looks at my phone and literally never gives me a wristband but hands me a piece of paper and says, welcome to Hawaii. And we made our flight. We got to Kauai, two and a half hours later, we walk into our villa where we're gonna stay, but man, we were spent. Like we were exhausted emotionally and physically, we were frustrated, and what turned out to be adventure, an adventure really turned into be a struggle for a while, and all we wanted to do was lay down and go to bed. And I was thinking about that, and I'm like, man, isn't that really true about life, that sometimes life is just a struggle? Like, you, you think there's a plan, you think you can trust people along the way, but all of a sudden there's gate changes and layovers and signs that aren't really clear and you don't really understand where you're supposed to go or what you're supposed to do. And I'm like, man, that's just a reflection of the last two and a half years for all of us in some shape or form. That life at times has been an extreme struggle. It's been really challenging to understand how to get through life. And the thing that I love about God is God has an answer for everything in his word. And so a few weeks ago, I was reading this passage in Jeremiah and it fits this exact application. And I was like, wow, God, this, this is a challenge that's been going on for thousands of years inside people and you actually tell us what the answer is. And so what I thought today coming off my vacation in Kauai is that I would spend just a few minutes. It's four short verses that give us the answer to this, this struggle, this dilemma in life. And I wanna share that with you guys today. And it's found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17. They're gonna put this verse up here on the screen so you can follow along with me. It says, God's message. Cursed is the strong one who depends on mere humans, who thinks he can make it on muscle alone and sets God aside as dead weight. He's like a tumbleweed on the prairie, out of touch with the good earth. He lives rootless and aimless in a land where nothing grows. And so the very beginning of that verse uses this word cursed, and uh, it raises a lot of questions in our mind. What does it mean to be cursed? Is God cursing us? What is a curse? What's he talking about? And so I want to give you three quick things, three really quick things that'll explain what the curse is, and then I want to tell you what God's answer and plan is for us. So first part of that verse talks about uh, being cursed if we use mere human strength and we try and use our own muscle. And so the first thing I want you to know about the curse that God's talking about is, it's, is cursed is the person who trusts in themselves. And so what God's saying in this passage is that in life, we have to trust someone or something along our way to get to our destination, to get to where we want to go in life. There's someone or something that we have to trust. And you see, God is 100% trustworthy. He is our creator. He made us. He had a plan and a purpose for us. But we oftentimes take God and set him aside. And what the Bible's saying here is that when we choose to trust ourselves or something else in life, we actually are misplacing our trust in something that's not 100% trustworthy. 
And so when we put our trust in something that's not trustworthy, it's a struggle. It becomes hard and difficult. We, we face pain, broken relationships, empty bank accounts, difficult jobs and uh, situations like that in life. And God's saying that when, when we experience that broken trust in life, that devastation when someone breaks or something breaks our trust, that it actually shakes our confidence in our future. It shakes our confidence in our future and it creates a trust deficit that once that happens, once trust is broken in our life by someone or something, that it becomes harder and harder for us to trust other things or other people along the way. And the last part of that is that God says it really diminishes our hope. We lose trust and we lose hope at the same time. And so when we put our trust in ourselves or something else other than God, we actually, life becomes a struggle, becomes more difficult for us. The second part of that verse talks about setting God aside. And uh, what's interesting about that is that, that in the beginning of time, God was in the center of mankind. He created the heavens and earth. He created all of creation. He created Adam and Eve, and they were in the Garden of Eden, and God was in the center of that. And so what God's saying here, what happens when we put our trust in ourselves, we actually take God and say, hey, God, mm, you don't quite fit here in the center. I'm gonna set you over here and off to the side because I've gotta focus on all the things that I can do and I can accomplish. And when we set God aside, we actually create a gap. There's now a distance between God and I. And so God's plan that he made for us, God's purpose that he made for us becomes distant from us. It's harder for us to see. It's harder, harder for us to understand. It's harder for us to hear God calling our name. And so when we create that gap between us and God, life becomes a struggle. It becomes more challenging. It becomes difficult to see where we're going. And then the last part of that verse says, it'll be like a tumbleweed tumbling around in a parched desert. And the third part of the curse is that you'll be like a tumbleweed with no direction. That you'll find that in life, it's hard to find its meaning. It's hard to find your place. You keep searching for what am I supposed to do? You keep looking to different things, different people, different leaders, um, self-help books, all kinds of different things like that in life. But you're still moving around aimlessly and you keep changing your place and your situation in life, but it doesn't really feel like anything's different in your life. You can't find your purpose or your meaning. When, when we put ourselves in the center, we actually are trading off our purpose and plan that God has for our life, because he knows it, he created us. And we're saying that we know better than God. And so when God talks about a curse, he's not condemning you. God's just saying, hey, if all you're gonna do is trust in yourself or in other people or in other things, life is just gonna be challenging. It's gonna be a struggle. You're always gonna feel anxious. You're gonna be uptight. You're never gonna have peace and be settled. And so God's trying to help us in these first two verses to understand what trust is really like and where we should place our trust. And this is what he says in the next two verses. But blessed is the man who trusts me, God, the woman who sticks with God. They're like trees replanted in Eden, putting down roots near the rivers. Never a worry through the hottest of summers, never dropping a leaf, serene and calm through droughts, bearing fresh fruit in every season. 
And so God says, hey, there's one path in life, it's a struggle. It's gonna be really hard and challenging, but there's another path of life where I wanna protect you, where I wanna bless you, where I wanna take you and take you out of a desert, out of a place where the storm and the trees bending back and forth, and I wanna replant you back in the Garden of Eden where I'm at the center of everything, and you can put deep roots down into the ground. You know what your purpose is as a tree. You know there's a plan for your life. Without a plan, there can't be a purpose. And so now you're back in the center of God's will and now you know both your plan, that God has a plan for you, and you know that he has a purpose for you. There's real meaning to your life. And God says that when we put our trust in him, it's not just a blessed life, it's a peaceful life. That when the storms of life come, because there still will be trials, there'll still be difficulties and challenges that come your way, but you're not gonna be tossed around like the tumbleweed in the desert. You're gonna be rooted deep and say, I know in the middle of this that God has a perfect plan and he has a purpose for me in this plan and that he's using me to accomplish that plan and whatever that plan is, is for the good of me and for other people. And so I think it's amazing that God lays out in four quick verses that there's two paths to life, a path of struggle and a path of blessing. The path of struggle is trusting in ourselves, putting God aside and roaming aimlessly around trying to figure out what life really means. A path of blessing says that we're gonna focus on who God is and trust in him that his will is perfect and that he's with us and he'll bring us the peace that he promises to do. And it kind of reminds me of the old game shows where they'd have two doors and their one door, right, had a dud prize behind it and the other door had like a car and the game show host was all excited and you get the contestant up there and they're like, I don't know what door to pick. But, but the problem was he didn't know what door to pick. If he picked the wrong one, he doesn't get anything. If he picks the right one, he gets a big prize. And the amazing thing about God is like, I don't want it to be a surprise to you. I want it to be clear, I wanna be transparent with you that if you pick this door here, it's gonna be really difficult in life. If you pick this door here, you're gonna be in a whole different place because I'm gonna be at the center of your life and I'm gonna be with you everywhere you go. I love you and I care about you so much. I'm gonna give you strength when you need strength. When you're weak, I am with you. When you, when you don't know what to do, I'm gonna give you direction along the way. And so it's amazing that God not only gives us a clear path, a clear description of what the paths are, but that God actually gives us a choice. He's like, I'm not gonna make you pick a path. I'm not gonna force you to go down one path or the other, but I'm giving the choice 100% to you. You get to choose which path in life that you want. And so I wanna share with you guys the story of an amazing Southsider who recently had a decision to make about this very thing. Hi Southside, my name is Emily. I didn't grow up with any sort of faith background. I come from a loving family, but church and God were never discussed. I remember when my older sister Jen was struggling in her teenage years. She ended up in a foster home, got pregnant, and found herself at a crossroads in her life. And it was then that she found her faith and started going to church. I distinctly remember it being weird for the rest of my family, so faith became something I just learned that we didn't bring up. If I had to summarize my biggest battle in life, I would say it's my battle with self-image and self-worth. I can remember from a very young age believing that I wasn't good enough because I didn't look like how I thought I was supposed to look. Looking back, I can also see a string of relationships that perpetuated my belief that I wasn't good enough. In high school, one boyfriend dumped me because of how I looked, and the next cheated on me. I eventually graduated and dated a man who consistently made me feel loved. After a six-year relationship, we got married and I was looking forward to building a life with my new husband. 
Everything came crashing down in a moment for me when my marriage ended with a phone call. He was calling to tell me that he had found someone else new. I was devastated, blindsided, and never given the opportunity for closure. I was walking around wounded with no idea about how to move on or do better. I'm someone who's always feared being alone. That fear crippled me. Now divorced and questioning my worth more than ever, I got into a toxic relationship at the end of 2016. One core memory I have from the beginning of that relationship was seeing a message he had sent to a friend describing me. The message told his friend that I wasn't the thinnest, but quote, he could fix that. This was the beginning of a long road together, marked by abusive and controlling comments like that one. I remember him often asking, do you really want to eat that? Or flat out telling me I was too fat. And I remember feeling the sting of rejection over and over again. After four long years, I finally ended things in 2020. I wish I could say that I took time for myself to grow and to change, but I fell back into the only pattern I'd ever known and looked for the next relationship to validate me. The guy that I ended up with this time showed me the complete opposite of the rejection I was used to. He told me everything I'd ever wanted to hear. He reminded me that I was beautiful, that it didn't matter what I weighed or what I looked like, that I was perfect just as I was. He told me that he loved everything about me and made promises to me about the future. And wow, did that ever feel good, as I was so ready to believe that about myself. I was ready to believe that I could be unconditionally loved and that someone did see me for exactly who I am. The one catch was that he hadn't completely ended his last relationship. He told me he was very unhappy and that he was planning on leaving. And in my vulnerable and wounded state, I hung on to his every word. Eventually, the truth came to light. That relationship wasn't ending. We weren't gonna build a life together. Those were just pretty lives too. I was still completely and utterly alone. And now questioning the point of living anymore. In the middle of my rock bottom, eight months ago, I received a text from a Southsider, Brianna. We had connected at the gym and she was inviting me to Southside Church. I'd heard of Southside many times before from my sister. Over the years, my sister and I had become very close and she would always listen very carefully to my struggles with anxiety and loneliness. She'd always invite me to come to Southside with her because she was sure I would like it. So now with this new invitation and absolutely no other option in sight, I decided to give church a chance. I figured it couldn't hurt. So I said yes and agreed to join Brianna the following Sunday. I remember walking in through the doors for the first time, expecting to feel really uncomfortable, but instead feeling a strange sense of peace. I remember hearing Pastor Mike speak about Jesus, and every word he spoke seemed to be completely directed at me. From that point on, I was ready for more. I started listening to Southside sermons around the clock, literally. At every free moment of my day, I was listening to an old sermon because I needed to know more about who Jesus was and what he meant for my life. One of my favorite things I remember hearing Pastor Mike repeat throughout some of those sermons was, experts say that a person can live 40 days without food, three days without water, eight minutes without air, but not a second without hope. It finally clicked. I realized that I had been living my life at the end of my hope and I couldn't walk one more step on my own. I needed the hope of Jesus. So I asked him into my heart and decided to take whatever next steps he had for me. Southside became my home and I attended 101 to learn all about our church. From 101, I started serving on the Next Steps team in an orange shirt, and I loved getting the opportunity to make people feel welcome, like I had felt welcome on my first day. Then I remember being at the gym again one day when I got yet another text from Brianna. <laughs> this time she was wondering if I was interested in getting baptized. Truthfully, I had heard about baptism weeks before but had put it out of my brain because it made me nervous. But here she was again, presenting a clear next step, and I said yes, because I knew I was supposed to take it. I got baptized Sunday, October 10th, 2021. It's a day I'll never forget. 
To anyone considering if baptism is right for them, I can tell you that I still definitely don't have it all together, but baptism isn't for perfect people. I got baptized because I believe in Jesus and I know it was the next step for my faith. It's hard to explain, but my faith grew so much that day. I can't say enough about the community I've found here at Southside. I'm in a small group of women who care about my life and they've been instrumental in challenging me in my insecurities, relationships, and faith. When I'm having a bad day, our leader Laura and all the girls are there to listen and pray, and I love getting to share in their lives too. I am so surrounded by people who care and I've never felt less alone. Looking back at my life before Jesus, I can see that I had a hole in me. Through all my relationships, I had been desperately trying to fill the ache in me that always told me I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't pretty enough, that I was easy to leave. When I met God, it finally made sense. If God actually loves me exactly how I am right now, I must be enough. For the first time in my life, I can believe that there is nothing wrong with me, and every day, God shows me more about His love. He shows me that no matter who may come and go, He will never let me down. Now I have a framework of faith for my life. I can invite Jesus into every decision, every relationship, and every step, knowing that His plan for me is good. I'm grateful, I'm excited, and I truly can't wait to see what God does next. Don't live life at the end of your hope. That's what I heard Emily say. She was living life at the end of her hope, a place where her confidence was shaken in the future, a place where trust had been broken over and over again, a place where hope was diminishing quickly in her life. Emily was faced with a choice. I can keep going with the struggle or I can put my trust in God. And so God gives each one of us that same choice. We can live in a place of protection, of peace, of strength where God is with us and the future becomes more clear. The plan for his life, for our life becomes more clear. Our purpose, what we're doing here becomes more clear to us and we can be confident that God is with us all of the time because we put him back into the center of our life. The choice is yours, which path, which door to take. So I just wanna pray with us right now. If you'll bow your head and close your eyes, God, thank you so much for your love that you care for us so much that you would leave these four verses in scripture to show us that there's two paths in life, one of intense struggle and one that can give us deep-rooted peace. When we put you at the center of our life, God, everything changes. And hope doesn't fade, it becomes brighter and brighter. Our future doesn't fade, it becomes clearer and clearer. And so God, I believe that there's someone watching online or in the room with us today that is at a decision point. The struggle's been real. And so if that's you, would you just pray this simple little prayer with me? Just pray it to yourself quietly. Father, I've been at the wheel myself way too long. I've been in control of my own life. I've been trying to find all the answers, come up with my own plan, find my own purpose. I feel exactly like the picture of the tumbleweed tumbling through the desert, not being able to put roots down and to be grounded. And I certainly don't have peace and hope in my life right now. So Father, I wanna put you back in the center of my life. I want you to come into my heart and take control. Forgive me for my selfish pride and trying to manage it all on my own. Forgive me for all the other things that I've done wrong in my life. Come into my life, be the leader of my life. 
Lord, I want to live a life of protection and blessing going forward. I want the strength that only comes from you. I want the love that only comes from you. The identity to know that I'm your child. You created me and that plan and purpose for me is perfect. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, would you just, between you and I, would you just slip your hand up in the air just so I can know that and I can pray for you a little bit more. If you, if you made that decision today, I see those hands, thank you. Yeah, I see those hands all over the room in the back. Yeah, thank you. I see those hands. Man, God loves you so much. He doesn't want you to struggle. The curse, he's not doing anything against you. He's actually trying to help you and show you that life can be different. And so if you prayed that prayer, there's a message up on the screen. You can just take a quick peek at it. If you text LIFE to this number, 604-670-3040, we're not gonna call you, we're not gonna bug you, we're just gonna send you a little message with some steps that will help you on this journey with Christ, will help you as you keep trusting him every day. And we wanna go on that with you here at Southside. God, thank you for each person that prayed this prayer. Thank you for the hope that you give us each day. God, I pray that each day would become clearer and clearer to them. I pray that you would journey with them, that they would feel your peace beginning to rush all over them now. God, thank you for loving us so much. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, hey, today is baptism and uh, we're celebrating baptisms. We have a whole bunch of people lined up ready to be baptized. And baptism is amazing because what it means is that they've chosen a path. They've said, I'm done with the struggle. I want to be in the blessing. I want to be in God's be very best path and protection in my life. And what they're saying is I've made an inward decision, but I want to declare publicly to the world that I've decided to follow Jesus. And he makes all things new. He takes all those old things out of us and makes all things new inside of us. And that's an amazing journey. And so if you're here today and you've not yet been baptized, that's your next step in trusting Jesus. It's a faith growing moment to get dunked under the water and be raised back up. It's a picture of Christ's death for us and his resurrection to give us new life, all things new. And so if you haven't made the decision to be baptized, we have swimming trunks and t-shirts and everything that you need. As we start doing baptisms, just make your way down, get with one of the greeters or come up here and to the front and someone will meet with you, get you all set up to be baptized today. It'll be amazing. And then if you raised your hand, to receive Christ for the very first time. Your next step is baptism. There'd be no better thing today than to mark it with being baptized here and with a church family that loves you so much and is gonna stay here and celebrate with you. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.